huh? where we cover it up, where we hide. And the reason, there's all kinds of reasons why we might do that, but we're going we're gonna to leave that covered there. We we'll, might need new batteries. I don't know. Is that why you're here this morning, to get new batteries? Get charged up. That's what a Wednesday night used to be. I remember it was called hump day. It's kind of like, I'm I'm beginning to wane, so I need a little boost in the middle of the week. So that's part of what what a Wednesday night is. So I want to encourage you with that. Well, part of this is the the announcement from me today to you is that, you know, um, as a pastor of this church, we're involved in a whole lot of good things, right? We got a lot of, uh, matter of fact, we've got a young guy visiting today who says he wants to know all of programs. He wants to know all that we're doing. That's because he's on fire because God saved him. He got saved in February of this year. How's that? Pretty cool, huh? So you know, it's kind of cool because I get to serve. I get some of this is a matter of vision. It's things that God has put on my heart. So um, I bring that to you. I'm trying to say that this is how I feel Lord's directing us, how we're supposed to make an impact in our community, but also in the region, and somehow grow so much bigger than we are that we actually have an impact uh, in places around the world. Tanzania, for example. Where's the other little girl from? Ghana. From Ghana. So what, what happens is we're making an impact there, and when we've sowed seeds to missionaries going over into China and things like that, when we're doing local outreach and some of the things we do this way. But here's the problem. When it comes down to the biggest, the most important ministry here in the church, I can't do it. I'm not the guy. You know that? I I can't do it. What's the the biggest? I'm not the most qualified for it. See? You might think, well, you've got Bible school. You're the the pastor. You've got a certain level of training, you know. But here's the deal. I'm not qualified to do it. I don't have the kinds of connections that are necessary. Tried to do it. I've tried to do it for you. Tried to, 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 and I find myself running ragged. I find myself going in all kinds of directions and not being very effective. You know, you've heard that jack of all trades, master of none kind of thing. My dad had a different way of saying it. Kind of talking about trying to be, you could be kind of halfway good at a whole lot of things, but not real good at any one thing. So I love the fact that God's given us certain things that we ought to just do, see, and that is we can, we can do what he's definitely gifted us to do. We can actually do what he's called us to do. He can, we can do what he's absolutely, let's say, anointed us to do. We're, you'll find that, that you are gifted for that. So somebody else is going to have to do that because I've kind of come to that conclusion that to be really effective, to be doing what God has called me to do, I can do my part, but I can't do it. The good thing is somebody who's supposed to is here today. The biggest ministry, what's the biggest ministry of New Life Fellowship? You know what it is? The biggest ministry. It's not a new concept because Jesus actually introduced it almost 2,000 years ago. You know what it was? It was in that Sermon on the Mount. It's really important to remember what that was like. Um, we were down here. I, we talked about it one time putting in a little amphitheater here. How many of you have been to Ogilvy for where they have the amphitheater? I think, Kevin, you played over there, haven't you? 
Maybe Joseph might have played there too. So it's a wonderful little thing. I thought, wow, couldn't that be cool to have our own little amphitheater here? And Well, he's saying there in Jesus, I'm going to have, uh, have you go ahead and put up Matthew chapter 5. We're going to put it on the wall for you. But 5.13, if you want to turn there, we're going to reference it a little bit. Matthew 5.13 to 16. This is in what is called the message version. It's probably going to mess with you from what you're reading on your page. That's okay. It's just another way of saying the very similar thing. Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Verse 14 says, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If, you make, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. This is Jesus speaking. Now that I put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to the others, you will prompt people to open up with God. This generous Father in heaven completing God's law. So if you'll do your part, then God's going to do his part. There you have it. The biggest ministry of this church is to shine the light of Christ. That's the biggest ministry in this church. It's not the preaching ministry. It's not the nursery. It's not the kids' church. It's, not, it, it's, it's yes, all of those, but the single focus for this whole church is that we would shine the light of Christ. Amen. But aren't we all doing that? Aren't we doing that somehow? People tell me all the time how they're shining the light. My problem is I'm not there to see them shining the light. I don't get to see the times when they're bucket heads. You know what I'm saying? Where we're not really totally broadcasting. Jack, as a matter of fact, yesterday had me cover my head because during lunch it was glaring or something. Um, we have a lot of good stuff going on. See? And sometimes that's busyness. And one of the principles I learned early on in in management uh, years ago in the pool business, and that was, is that we can be doing a lot of things right, but we might not be doing the right things. So see, we can be doing a whole lot of good things in our Christian walk. And it may just be that we've missed a fundamental thing. Maybe we missed the most important thing and we've gotten caught up in busyness. Does anybody ever feel really busy? So you could be doing all the reading of Scripture and all the praying and all the other holy, pious things, but yet you end up feeling so busy and so distant from God and distant from fellowship with one another. We do that with worship here, for example. We do that with Bible study here. We'll do that with family fun nights and different things that we'll participate in throughout the week. So I'm challenged by Mario when Mario says, man, I want to get together and I want... And and I'm thinking, what about men's ministry? We haven't had a men's breakfast in over a year. Now, that might be part of pastor's problem because I have to make that happen. No, no. Guys, schedule a men's breakfast. Put it together. Make it happen. It'd be like this. I would just applaud it. Like Joseph coming off the, the wall and just doing it. Guys, you don't need me to make men's ministry. I can't make men's ministry happen. 
I can't make women's ministry happen, though I could probably tell a lot of women what they ought to do. <laughs> They'd all hear from my wife about that, wouldn't I? She'll say, yeah, you're really no good at it, by the way. Any given week, most people in our community, they don't see the light. You see what I mean? There's all the stuff that we're doing, but they're not here in our church or in any church. How many of you know people who don't go to church at all? Anybody know somebody like that who don't go to church at all? Wow. I mean, that's like overwhelmingly, I'm going to say it's 80% of the people in here. Don't, you know people don't go to church at all. What's the reason for it? Sometimes we know what the reason is. Sometimes we don't. Many times the question's going to be, why or have we? Are we letting our light shine? in that place for that person. They're not here to see the light. They're not anywhere to see the light. So here's the deal. We can bask in the light of Jesus, right? We can say, wow, what that worship was amazing. And that's good. And that's the way it ought to be. You ought to get that pumped up and be able to be energized to go out and, and really conquer and, and to recharge, if that's what you want to call it. But the thing is, is that what happens most of the time is that Jesus says your light shouldn't be under a bowl, but the truth is is that these four walls, this place represents a bowl. See, unless we go from here with an intent to let our light shine, this is what we've done right here. We can see it when we want to. We can see it for all of us. It'll be a cool place for us, but the truth is we end up having this. The big ministry of shining your light happens when we take it from here and we go out and broadcast it without a covering in the whole world in all kinds of different ways. It's not enough to just sit under the bowl, right? I'm sure that the light feels really good. The bowl is everything. Whoever's in there, that little space right there, that's a, that's a cool place to be. In this place, it's really cool when we're there and we're singing Amazing Grace. So what that does in my soul and how I remember when I first heard that song, I might have responded to that, and that might have been the altar call where I accepted Christ. But at least, even if not, the first time I heard it, I thought, that's me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. So at that, there's no greater place in, in, in life than right there in that moment left with that amazing grace and the realization that this is what's happened in your own life. But that's not enough. It's not enough to sit under there and enjoy our own little glow, if you will. Shining the light, not just under the bowl, but in a place that all can see. See, that's our biggest ministry. Who shines? Well, it's a big job, isn't it? How many of you think it's a big job to let your light shine, you know? Maybe that's part of it. I'm sorry. How many believe it's a a big, big job for us to let our light shine? Because one thing is we have to become convinced that that's a big job, see? Whose job is it? Mine, everyone. Well, when the biggest ministry, see, I'm not, I'm not the one to do it. I can only let my light shine, but the truth is, is that it's almost like this little beam on here, is that it's really an adjustable kind of light. See what I mean? 
And, and, and the idea is, is that I can kind of, I have a focus. I have something that I have to do. See what I mean? My light's still shining, but there's certain places where I'm going to draw the focus and it's going to be brighter and intense. See what I mean? That's an area where that's what I can do. I can let God go ahead and, and increase and decrease and do what he wants to do for whatever situation I'm in. Because some people can take the glare and some people can't. See what I mean? So my, my light changes according to that. Guess what? It also changes according to your giftings and your abilities. Changes according to even where you're walking. Do you know there's certain things that dim your light? You're not necessarily trying to do that, but that's what happens. It dims the light. Well, whose job is it? Let's go back to what Matthew said, or Jesus said there in Matthew, okay? He, he addressed, who was he talking to when he says, here, let me tell you why you're here. Do you remember? I want you to get the scene of the, of the hillside, okay? That there's, there's, who knows, potentially, we know that at one point when he fed them, there was 5,000 just men there, not counting women and children. But let's say he has a small crowd of 100 people. We don't know what he had there. We just know there was a crowd. And so when he's speaking to them, it's important to recognize that he wasn't just speaking to his 12 disciples. You see? He wasn't just saying, hey, guys, you're paid staff. You're the ones. You're going to go and shine your light. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. That's not what he said. Instead, he put that challenge to be the salt and the light to everyone, everyone listening to him on the mountainside that day. He put the challenge out for him. The entire congregation. Jesus was interested in letting the light shine, not just for those who would gather on that mountainside. He wanted it to go into all the world, didn't he? He wanted that light to shine before men. So, if that's going to happen, then each person has to take it on and say, this isn't a general message about feeling good kind of thing. This is, this is a charge to me. This is something that Jesus, when he spoke almost 2,000 years ago and was saying, you're the salt and you're the light, he was talking to a bunch of people that were apparently strangers even. And he said, you're salt and light. What that tells us is that some of the people that you raised your hand, you know they don't go to church. They also are salt and light. They're supposed to be salt and light. And what's happening is, is part of the burden is, is that they're wasting their salt and they're wasting their light. And it's just a matter of time before this goes dim. And so what I've got to do is I've got to, I've got to help them. First of all, before I can help them, I have to become convinced that this is my job is to shine the light of Christ in the world to each person. So he says, each person, your little flock, that's why families get saved. Joel's going to share some statistics here in just a a little bit uh, about that kind of stuff. And here's the deal. It says, for example, Jesus was the encourager. Jesus was the teacher. Jesus is the cheerleader. He's telling them what they can do. That's part of the role that Jesus plays. But bottom line is, is that they're the ones who have to do that ministry. Remember, he sent them out. And he sent them out two by two. It's almost like we have headlights on the car. We got at least two. See what I mean? For the right and the left. It lights our path. Each person has to shine your light. It's the same way. I can provide you with instruction. I could be a cheerleader. See? 
but I can't do the big ministry. You know why I can't do the big ministry? Because I don't have the opportunity or the connections that you do. For example, I don't work at McElroy, and I don't work at, at, at uh, Ormet, and I don't work at Bayer. You work there, and you're in touch with a wide audience. I don't work in, I'm not an iron worker. I'm not an electrician. So what happens is this is the loneliest place in the world most every day. It's just me, myself, and I. And oh yeah, Joel and Gina and Lauren sometimes, and so we'll participate. But guess what? We're doing a lot of the background stuff trying to help find out ways we can broadcast our light. The truth is, is that I don't go to, to West Virginia Northern and I don't, I don't go to West Liberty and I don't go to OUE and there's a whole other group of people in there that we need to be able to let our light shine so that we can release their light. See? And that's part of what we have to do because... That gives you, you'll have opportunity. You work with people. You go to different gas stations. You have a totally different audience that you can let your light shine. And then guess what? Once people recognize that you're the one who was the torchbearer, you're the one that started their light, guess what you have there? You have a little disciple in the making. And guess what? We shouldn't direct them to just go anywhere. See, our brother Mario needs to have some discipleship. He's lived a life in... In the world, and he lived a life with religion where, I love that song, by the way, it says where religion finally dies. What happened for him in February? What are we going to do with that now? Need some discipleship. We need some people to come alongside. Women need women and men need men. That's the way God's ordained it to be. What happens is I'm not a, a member of, though I'm part of clubs and organizations and associations, I'm not members of all of them. Here's the other thing, very practical, that, that I'm not at all the family gatherings. See, I'm not at the weddings. and I'm not at the graduation parties. You all have these audiences where God, or, or just it's almost like what we're trying to say is we're networking because you have years and it's like multi-level marketing. You guys know what that means? It's you have this, here you are, and you bring some people under you, let's say three, and each of them three get ten, and now all of a sudden you've got 33 people underneath you. Wow, what's that about? That sounds like kind of growth, and, and that's the way God wants his light broadcast. And then each of those 10, they each get 10. Do you get the idea? But we're not selling a product. We're not, it's not about Avon or Melaleuca or any of those kinds of things. What it's about is letting our light shine and connecting the dots, if you will. And what will happen is when we do that, the light begins to overwhelm the darkness because we're beginning, we've got focus and we're, it's almost like AT&T coverage or Verizon kind of coverage. We have to begin to recognize that the world is dark and our workplace is dark and the school can be dark and the places where we're going can be dark and we're the light that's supposed to be changing the whole appearance of the place. You guess, you know what it is? Joel might have used that. You have the access. And that's why Jesus, when he says you are the salt and the light, he knew what he was talking about. He knew that they all had access to places and people that he might not even be able to go to because of crowds. You know what? You're the true hero in our biggest ministry. You ever wanted to be a hero? 
I have. <laughs> it's just who I am. I know, Jeff, you got that. You want to be a hero because you got that same kind of competitive thing. Who else is really competitive? You want to be a hero. Anybody? You got that about you. It's just like, yeah, me and you, you're going down. See what I mean? That's part of ugh. And somewhere in that, you got that feistiness. Trust me. You got it because it's a survival skill that has been put there by your creator. So the truth is, you're a, a hero waiting to be discovered. Did you know that? You're going to be spending the majority of time with people that I may never meet, that I wouldn't know unless they become part of new life. You know what that makes you? In terms of warfare, that makes you a secret weapon. Did you ever think of yourself as a secret weapon? I remember when, I don't know who it was, but they coined the phrase that, that these are, these are uh, registered, what was that? How's that go? What is it? Registered weapons. You know what I mean? My hands. Kind of like that. That's what, here I am. I'm a secret weapon. You're a secret weapon. But the issue is, it's not supposed to be secret. See? What do you do when seems like all hope is lost? Seems like you need a little boost? They used to call it like a... a, a uh, an ace in the hole, using a card term, but an ace in the hole was something that you'd bring out in the moment when you needed it, and boom, there you go. Wow. Well, you're the secret weapon for Christ. He calls us soldiers, calls it an army of God. He says a lot of other things, but I'm going to let Joel take that portion. We'll just have a little transition here. The relationship you have with people gives you access to let your light shine and to change how they see their world, how they see their life. And you do that by simply living out your faith and being bold enough to take the lid off. That's fine. So hopefully you guys are starting to see, I can't see you guys. So your reactions, but hopefully you guys are starting to see that we're not trying to uh, pass the buck. Uh, We're just being realistic about our limitations and your potential to change people's lives for Christ. Are you guys getting that? Yeah. So uh, let me uh, let me share with you some some research from an organization called Church Growth Incorporated. Um, Them and uh, many other researchers have been looking into uh, how people have come to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And um, I'm going to share some primary factors uh, of how people have come to know Jesus in addition to the Holy Spirit. Um, You guys, raise your hand if you know Billy Graham. Yeah? Okay. No, of him. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Um, So... Billy Graham, he's a famous evangelist. Um, I think it's probably the most famous and the most uh, successful um, evangelist. He had these crusades where he'd, he'd go into these cities and pe- they'd pack out these uh, stadiums. And uh, people would come by the thousands to come and know Jesus. Do you know what percentage of Christian believers... Um, the number of people that have come to know Christ, what the percentage of all the believers are because of 
crusades like this? Anyone take a shot? He says probably less than 1%. That's absolutely true. Evangelistic crusades account for less than 1% of the Christian believers out there. Um, You know what? Church services and programs, the things that we got going on here, that actually accounts, uh, that only accounts for 3%. Everybody say 3. That's impressive. Crusades, yeah, compared to that. Okay. Now, this is one that actually uh, really strikes close to home here. Uh, This is about me. This is about my dad. People in ministry who are paid to be the light, paid to be the salt. Um, A lot of uh, what I try to um, communicate with the teenagers is it's not my job, responsibility, whatever, for you to bring your friends to youth group and I get them saved. It rarely works that way. Um, Actually, only 6% of those who believe and have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ are because of pastors. So you bring 10 friends in, I might be able to get one person to have a committed, growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? You guys with me on that? Um, It's your job to be salt and light. And he equips us to, to be the catalyst that brings change in other people's lives. Um, So the biggest factor by far of how people have come to have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ is other friends and family. 78% of people who have come to know Christ is because of a friend or relative that led them to Christ, that modeled godly love, acceptance, and forgiveness. Go ahead, you can say amen. So you and the relationships you have with your friends and family, um, you are the one that's going to be the change in our community. That's something that has been like a big theme for Regen this past year is be the change. Let's stop talking about changing and let's be the change. And so you guys, you are in charge of our biggest ministry. Yes, I have empowered you. Pastor has empowered you. Beyond that, Jesus himself, the Holy Spirit, empowers you to be his witnesses. And you are the biggest, most important part of this church, this local church. Um, can I get four volunteers? Go ahead. We're not, there's no messy games. We're not throwing eggs at each other. Come on up here, Joe. And Dennis, you guys sit right up here, right in front of Marcy. I need, okay, Jeff, sweet. Joe? Oh, look at, Keith's coming. Look at this, the men step up to the plate. Yeah, you can just sit right there, just for a second. Now, as, as a church here under the bowl, okay, where we're just basking in the glow of how wonderful it is, we, as pastors and ministry leaders, We can equip you, we can train you, we can make things more comfortable when you're hurting for you. Um, We can help you have fun being a Christian. Like that's what we can do in this church, following Jesus. 
And we try to create opportunities for us to come together like the family fun night. And what we're continually trying to, uh, to get around to is creating opportunities for you, for you, to be in our community and being a light. That's where we're involved with the parades. That's, we're, we're doing all kinds of outreach opportunities um, and serving and the Firemen's Festival and just all these different things that we're, we're so involved, we're rubbing elbows with the community, as Pastor phrases it. That's because we're the light, we're the salt. And so we can, by, uh, by the networking and influence that we have as leaders in the community, we provide opportunity for you guys to be effective in broadcasting this light of Christ. And uh, one of the new things that we're doing, um, the newest part of our biggest ministry, is called Life Tree Cafe. Everybody say Life Tree Cafe. Okay, it's not a restaurant. Um, it's more like a conversation cafe. Um, you see, Life Tree Cafe is a one-hour experience. Say one hour. I know you don't believe it, but it's true. It's one hour. It is a one-hour experience where people from all walks of faith and life and from Wiccans, atheists, so-called Christians, whatever, they come together and uh, they learn about, they talk about a different, interesting topic every week. And we're going to do that every Saturday night at 8 o'clock. We're trying to reach shift workers and um, other people who got better things to do with their Saturday days. And people who, I mean, we're going to be, well, I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, so that's every Saturday night, 8 o'clock. Say Saturday. 8 o'clock. Okay, and it's here. Now, the way that this Life Tree Cafe works out is it's something that is portable. And we'd love to start it here, but we don't want it to stay here. Because, you see, the whole point of Life Tree Cafe is many people don't feel like it's safe to come into a church anymore. And so we're trying to remove that, oh, stigmatism. Is that the right word? Um, we're wanting to remove that. And so we're starting it here. But it's got to go to Moundsville. It's got to go to Wheeling. It's got to go to the college campuses. It can. Um, but first, we've got to be successful right here. So what happens on Saturday night is people come in and they sit at a table just like this. Um, and it, I'm not going to have you sit there because you guys will probably start talking to each other. Because that's what happens when you sit four people at a table. They start talking. Okay? Um, that's the point. We find that when you have a table like this, four people sitting at it, it makes it a lot more comfortable to engage in conversation. Um, and it's not like me saying, hey, answer a question, and you're like, everyone's watching me now, okay? Um, I had, I went into the sixth grade class on Wednesday. Uh, we do character education there. What an awesome opportunity that they let pastors come in and talk about respect um, responsibility, love, caring for people. Um, 
And this month's theme is about caring. And as I'm talking with these sixth grade kids, I'm hearing how my parents don't care about me. I'm like, yes, they do. You know, I know they do. No, they don't. I live with my uncle. My parents don't care about me, and I don't care about them. And, um, you know, and I hear another one is, you know, what do you do when you've got your, your stepfather who is constantly yelling at you for no reason? And he tells you, I have no reason. I just yell at you because I can or whatever. And, it's, and I try to, this kid is a really good kid. Um, I, I know him. I know his family that he comes from. And um, it's just like, what a heartache. And you realize the brokenness, um, how sad it is when you've got 50% of all marriages end in divorce. And look at what's happening to our children. And these kids, this generation is growing up and they're having to deal with stuff. I mean, they had to move sex education from seventh grade to fifth grade because too many seventh graders were getting involved with it. So this, what I'm trying to say is this generation, we're having to deal with all kinds of stuff that you guys didn't have to deal with till later in life. And there's more and more things that are happening in our world that people, how does God have anything to do with this? And, and they're trying to figure out what, how, how do I make sense of this, of this life and this relationship that's damaged and broken? So Life Tree Cafe, we talk about relevant, important issues every week. And it, it's a real service to you guys as a church and especially to the people who don't know Jesus the people in our community who are lost in the darkness because it helps everyone understand, find help and support on a lot of different issues. And each hour we provide a way, we, we guide discussion to where we end up talking about how God plays a role in this topic and what Jesus has to say about it. And it's, it's a, it does that. It's so cool. Um, I've had the privilege to be able to sit through some of these, uh, uh, some of the, they're called episodes, the one hour experience here. And uh, to see there's everything, they started off, one of them was talking about pet cemeteries, pets. And I'm sitting there like, are you serious? Come on, it's an animal, right? Um, But people, raise your hand if you have a pet. Okay, so now, now with that, raise your hand if that pet is, it's like family. Okay, so it is, <laughs> animals are more obedient than some kids, she said. Um, so with that, this is something that, Christian or not, it doesn't matter if that, if that animal feels like family to you. That, if you're a Christian, who cares? That, that's still an important part of your life. And as we talk through this, and there's little videos that are um, specific to these segments, it ends up talking about heaven. And what does God say about heaven? And it's, it's just really cool. That's, that's just one example. Um, so every Life Tree Cafe session has, it, it deals with a real-life story a true story of someone dealing with real life situations. And they're present each one um, 
part of the hour, there is an original film that is specific to Life Tree Cafe. And there's a, we're going to show an example one of uh, Viola Barrios, or Viola Barrios, whatever. Um, she operated Mexican restaurants in San Antonio, Texas. That is until her life was cut short. So let's take a look at an excerpt from the Life Tree film here. And uh, this is her son, Louis. My mother started Los Barrios Restaurant with $3,000 after the death of my father, who was killed in a traffic accident. April 24th, um, 2008, is during the, the fiesta here in San Antonio. We have a, a, a big fiesta. It's over 300 events, and we have people from all over the country to come. It's kind of San Antonio's version of Mardi Gras, but it's a family Mardi Gras. The next day, around, I don't know, 10.30, I, I take the children to school, I come back, and it's about 10.30 or 11, my phone starts ringing, I don't get to it, my phone rings again, I'm, I'm like, who's trying to call me? You know, it's ringing, 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 so I get over there and I get the phone and my sister says, mom's house is on fire, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm here, uh, get over here. So um, I get in the car, I um, take off, and I get on the mobile phone and I'm talking to her, what's going on, mom's car's not here, do you know where she's at? I said, didn't she go to her massage today? She goes, yeah, that must be it. She, that's why she's not here. No wonder. And I said, well, and she might have left a candle on or something, and maybe, you know, it uh, caught fire. Right about then, the uh, firefighter came up to her and said, uh, uh, did your mother live here alone? And my sister said, yes. She said, well, there's an elderly lady that is uh, deceased, and we are calling uh, the police right now because it is a... Uh, now at this point, it's a, it's a crime scene. Uh, I get to the house, and of course it's all, the media's there, and it turns out that somebody broke into my mom's house. Shot her in the head with a bone arrow. Stole her keys and her wallet went and bought gasoline and came back and doused her bed and doused her body, lit it, closed the door, and they just left. As I was praying there, I said, Lord, uh, you, know, I, you know, I love you. I've given my heart to you, but uh, this is pretty unbelievable to me that this is the way you decided to let mom be taken. Woke up at four in the morning crying like a baby. That was the hardest night when I realized that the person that has loved me the most in my life was now gone. I was broken hearted, but at the same time, I knew that, you know, life on this earth is not guaranteed to anybody. Everybody's gonna die. But I'm very grateful I don't complain and I don't question. I've learned not to question the ways or the judgments of the Lord. I don't question them. I just uh, accept them. Quite a story. But it doesn't end there. Um, it gets more interesting. The next segment of the Life Tree film. It shows what happened next. The police arrested the killer, 
which happened to be Viola's next-door neighbor, an 18-year-old boy. And uh, then Louis, the son there, he shocked the entire city of San Antonio. He stepped forward and forgave the killer. He even offered to pay for the defense for the killer because uh, his family didn't have any money for a lawyer. Go ahead, you can say, amazing. (laughs) So at this episode, while this is going on, participants um, from all walks of life, you'll see how they respond to forgiveness. Goes, can you go ahead and sit at the table here? So these people that you invite to come to Life Tree Cafe, they sit at the table, sit around the table. And what's cool is God, he often orchestrates who ends up sitting next to who. You'll have a strong follower uh, of Jesus Christ uh, that'll sit at a person with a skeptic and perhaps another one who's just totally rejected God. And as conversation goes around, um, you get to hear one of the, the premises for Life Tree Cafe is you are welcome just as you are. Your thoughts are welcome. Your doubts are welcome. And God is here to meet with you in a fresh way. Every week we say that. Um, so imagine now around this small table, this room full of tables, that um, it's a safe place. And, and people who may have just met each other, they start opening up and talking about forgiveness. So question, I want you guys to dialogue amongst yourselves. Um, the question's on the wall, number one, go ahead. It says, how have you experienced forgiveness? So you guys go ahead and talk about that. How have you guys experienced forgiveness? My point exactly. You guys aren't talking. You're not dialoguing with me. You, you feel like you're on the spotlight if you open your mouth. They're over there chit-chatting. And they're, they're, they're talking, and it's, it's comfortable. They're in their own little world right now. Okay? Um, raise your hand if you've experienced forgiveness. Okay, almost all of you guys, almost all of you raised your hand from what I could see. You have something to say about this. But yet you don't speak. Imagine how that is for a new person who is just kind of like, wanting to know more about God and he comes into this place and we're trying to talk about this and and all they continue to hear is somebody speaking at them instead of with them so you guys already got that answered let's go to the next question do you need to forgive anyone do you need to forgive anyone Is anybody here? Do you need to forgive anyone? Is this a real issue? I mean, maybe you're thinking, okay, I don't need to forgive someone like they haven't hurt me like that 18-year-old boy did to Viola. 
but nevertheless, you've got heart, you've got bitterness, you've got some kind of unforgiveness that's that's eaten at you. And do you need to forgive anyone? Did you hear them just laugh right now? You guys aren't laughing. Okay? This is this is what it's it's proven that this kind of an atmosphere works. Okay, you guys keep talking. Don't don't be don't worry about what I'm saying right now. Okay? I'm going to do just one last question. And that is, how does God promise to forgive us? So you guys go ahead and address that. How does God promise to forgive us in your group there? One is I've experienced forgiveness. I recognize the need for forgiveness in my life or (laughs) at least forgiving someone else. And now what does God have to say about it? Do you see how we're, we're walking through this? And we're trying to, we incorporate God in a way that's not like, you know, shoving the Bible down your throat or anything like that. Do you guys have something to say about how God promises to forgive us? I'm not asking you to come up and speak, but raise your hand if you feel like you can answer, well, how does God promise to forgive us? One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay. So more and more and more, you guys have something to dialogue, some way to talk about this. And as we, as we go through these series, you guys are welcome to come and attend. And you'll learn how to talk about extraterrestrials and people who believe in UFOs and alien life forms. And how to in, introduce the gospel to that topic. Do you guys know a way to segue that? Does it? You guys feel like you're confident with that? Raise your hand if you feel confident to give a segue on extraterrestrials going to Jesus Christ. One person. Okay. So, how, um, how confident do you feel that you would be able to navigate a conversation where you, you have someone who is talking about their son who is addicted to crystal meth? And the hope and freedom that comes in Christ. Do you feel that you could confidently navigate that? Raise your hand. About four, five, six people. This is something that will equip you to know how to introduce Jesus to every situation, realistic, um, real issue that's going on in life. So you guys can be excited about that. Um, so those who know God, they have an opportunity to share their stories with those who, they, who may not know God um, at, this, at this table here, at this situation. And so that is how our light comes out from under the bowl and shines for all to see. So every week at Life Tree Cafe, the room lights up. The people who walk in darkness come in and the light of Jesus shines for all to see. And these are people who normally wouldn't step foot in the church. Amen? You guys? Amen. That's where you come in. Because if you're going to be salt and light, that's where you come in. It comes in beyond what you wanted to direct your own life. How many know that the most comfortable posture is when I get to do right where I want to go, that I shine my light where I want it and where I need it? 
Is there anything more frustrating than having to have light on a situation and the person is... I'm over here. The screw head is here and I need light right there. And they're like this. And then... (laughs) Oh, okay, right there. So what happens is... God wants to take, in the body of Christ, we have this amazing uh, potential that is, is untapped in many ways. That's because each person is capable of going your own direction and shining your light where you want to shine it, where you think that's where I want to be. Sometimes, unfortunately, that's the most comfortable place, right? We want to illuminate that area, or we get comfortable walking in the dark. Last night, I stubbed my toes on the dresser, and I said, we really need to put felt some sort of bumper on that corner of that dresser. So I thought it was pretty profound because I actually had a little light I could have put on, and I wouldn't have busted my, I don't know if it's two or three toes. I'll check it out later. Here's the deal is that I thought all I needed is a little light, and I wouldn't have stumbled, and I wouldn't have, have bashed my, my toe. Anybody been there? Sometimes you... You need a little light. Do you know that's part of what we are as a network when we go out there in our lives is it's good to know other Christians. I was sharing with someone when I got, when I got saved and I, I'd been walking in this. I had all my customers, but we started six months out when I knew I was going to be leaving the company and going into Bible school. We started six months out with a, um, what is it, a transition team. And what happened is when I went out on the final 30 days of being there, I was telling people what's happening, and this is John Fair, and he's going to be the new branch manager, and I appreciate your, your support all these years. And Well, what are you doing? Well, <laughs> I'm going to Bible school. Are you a Christian? And that was embarrassing in one sense, but then when we got all done and they said they were a Christian... I'm thinking, hello, I had to represent my company with a certain level of integrity, even if it was just a mask. But they, I saw how they were all the time. My surprise is they were a Christian because I didn't see their light shining a whole lot. The truth is, is that I found all kinds of people that, who knows, by that common knowledge, how it would have changed the environment of our, even our dealings. I don't know if it would have helped or not, but here's the deal. I was surprised because their light was pretty dim. I'm just saying that was an observation because they're the ones trying to tell me the dirty jokes. They're the ones watching the girls and they're the ones making these crude comments. And then when they told me they're Christians, I was just like, whoa. I'm pretty sure that's not what a Christian's supposed to be like. How many of you know you got some behaviors still that you're dealing with that aren't necessarily full, full bright letting your light shine? Amen? So here's the thing. This is part of what we do to help one another, right? So here's, you get to participate. You, I want you to be able to know that Saturday night, our group, by the way, is only supposed to be roughly maximum is about 50 people. You all can't come because there's more than 50 here. It changes the dynamics. What we want is we want what's happening now that they understand they're in their, their own dialogue. Well, what we have is there might be three to a chair, and then one of our friendship team, which is the training I'm going to be doing, will come up and join that table. And what we do is make sure that no one person dominates a group. How many of you guys have been in groups where it's dominated by one person? Yeah, 
those usually aren't any fun for anybody but that one person who's dominating the whole group. And they feel wonderful about it. Oh, I love going. I'm going to go next week. I'm going to dominate the group again. No, it's just that your heart is spilling out. And what we need is we need to be able to recognize that there's four of us at that table. So we're trying to share that. Do you know that's part of Joel gave me a thing here recently. He talks about one of the biggest leadership mistakes. Do you know what it is in, in the church? Hoarding ministry. Well, I don't think I've really been trying to hoard ministry through the years. I've been trying to give it away. I recognize my limitations. I've just been, I appreciate Mark's comment this morning, you know, that we're out there, you know, shoveling stuff and working all day long yesterday, and I've got the redneck to prove it. Um, And that I'm a pastor who doesn't mind getting his hands dirty. But that's how I've always wanted to be. I don't just sit around barking orders. And, you know, I think Mark also said about, uh, what, what was it, the foreman, the guy who sits and just barks out orders and he's usually if he's not fat he's he started out skinny and got fat because he just sits around barking orders <laughs> so he's trying to encourage caleb not to be a uh, not to be an operator of that type anyway here's the deal i don't mind mixing it up and getting right out there and modeling it for you and doing all those things but again my light is limited my impact is limited you're the real hope you're the real potential hero and that's because you can go into places where, where I can't go and where, I, where I'm not, where I can't be. So what we've done is we're trying to shine the light wherever we, we've had. See? One thing at Life Tree Cafe, you'll have a great time. You'll learn some things. For all those who didn't know how to speak about aliens and Jesus Christ, you'll learn some things about, you know, if God is the creator of everything, if there are aliens, guess what? He made them. See? The actual word for aliens, do you know where people get it? Hello, Bible. Aliens and strangers. Before they knew of anything of, of space exploration or anything else, the Bible talks about aliens or sojourners or strangers. So the very word alien comes from, from the Bible itself. God's not afraid of talking about aliens. We were one. Or we still is one. So here's the deal. It's guided conversations at Life Tree. Your listening ear, for example, as you're listening for little things that come out, a uh, young couple here today, Gabriel and, and, uh, and Harley. I said the only Harley I knew was Linda's cat, but Harley is a beautiful girl, not some ferocious, ferocious cat. Um, but here's the deal, is that for, for them, uh, for example, is that they said their daughter's name is Nicole. And then I, it was like five seconds later, and I said, I'm sorry, what was your daughter's name? And, and he said, Nicole. And I was like, yeah, duh. You know, I just heard Nicole, but it didn't... Re- you know what? You actually learn listening skills where you can pick up on something that matters to people. See? And then in the midst of that, you know that you're there to shine your light. So what happens is, is you're working in a group, even with unbelievers, even with people who are atheists. They tell you, they, you're not going to change me. Guess what? We're not after that. We're not... We're not trying to to get a Christian saved every episode. You understand? Because it's a long term. It's about relationship. And that's why 78% is effective because you have relationship. Do you see? Those aren't my stats. Those are, are, but there are truths. So here's the thing. In that cafe, when you become what you're called is like plants. You're literally part of a plant. You're not going there. You know what they don't even have? So far in my training, I haven't seen that you bring your Bible to Life Tree Cafe. Do you know why? Because it'll be up on the wall. 
Because most people who come to the cafe, if you're not just attracting Christians, they don't carry a Bible. Do you see? So what happens, that's okay. It'll be up on the wall, and we're still going to introduce the topic. So that's part of it, is having to think outside the proverbial box. And that's what the church is going to do. So we're coming outside of that. Pardon? Yeah, or outside of the bucket. So here's the thing. You get to make a difference. So we'll provide the basic training. I mean, this is pretty exhaustive. Last week, I'm sorry, especially Kathy was like, when we were done, she said, can I share that? She said, this is like a college course. You know, it was like, whoa. (laughs) And I realized, man, it was easy to put on because I love the idea that we would discover something that will reach into people's lives and bring transformation and change. And the same joy that came into my life The same change that changed my language, changed what I look at, how I look at life, that's what I want to give it away now. Remember, it's just like when we were first saved. Remember that fire and passion? I told Mario, man, I said, you're pretty cool because that's what we want, we need is, you you know, he's he's making me feel like, okay, we'll meet every day of the week for all this and we'll have all these, I'd just be lying. We don't have that yet, but we need people to step up and say, I want to be shining my light in these areas. I want to find a way to to make a a difference. Life Tree Cafe, we're determining for this season, is part of an avenue where we get to go out and we can invite people who would otherwise not come to church. I said, how many people have seen all the trailers parked over over here at Moundsville for the natural gas stuff? Have you seen it? They've occupied the whole fairgrounds. I don't know. How many you think are over there, Jane? Is there, do you think, 50 trailers, 100? Down by the river. Here's the deal. Where are they going to church? Are they going to church? You know what we need is in Moundsville, we need to find a place where we can take our, our bistro tables, we can take our stuff, we can set up over there one, one night of the week where we can just say, this is for all those who really want something outside of the, the church that they didn't ever go to or like. So it's not like doing what some other ministries are trying to do. This is literally its own program for one hour. We, we use these videos. We use the discussion as a way to draw hearts together, to knit hearts. So we'll give you the basic training. There's even this little thing that says, do say and don't say. Oh, gosh, you're going to every word now? Hello. How about the idea that he knows every word before it's on your mouth? Don't you wish sometimes you had somebody... I didn't know that was wrong. I didn't know that was caustic. I didn't know that was insulting. Oh, I'm not Mexican. That's the reason we did it. Because you look at her, oh, you know, bien and vito, whatever it was. Yeah, realize she says, I'm not Mexican. No, okay, you're welcome anyway. She's Trinidadian, by the way. So do say, tell me more. Instead of saying anything else, do you get the difference? Anything else is kind of like I'm done with you. Are we finished yet? But when you say, tell me more, what does that say? I'm really interested. I truly am. I, I found out Mario's part of this. this uh, he's been in the military, and he's got his back injured. He just got saved in February. Man, I want to know more. I want to know more about that. See? So when, you, when you'll do that with people, what you'll find is they want to be with you. They want to be in a place where your, your life is being impacted like that. They'll want to say, we wish, sir, we wish to see Jesus. That's part of what we're using Life Tree Cafe for. Instead of saying, I'm wondering how you came to that conclusion, you say, why do you think that? 
Do you hear? There's just little nuances. Guess what? We're not leaving any stone unturned. It's all that's been provided. So if you want, you may want to join one of our operating teams, which means there's hosts. For example, Joel, myself, Kevin's going to be part of hosts. There'll be others who, if you'd like to host it, you'll learn what that's like. It's not about you and your knowledge. It's about you helping direct the group, and you're going to hold on to a time schedule of this has got to finish in an hour, and that's why I'm about done too. Right here we have this card that says I'm interested. It's necessary that we have a host who's going to be conducting the program. We're going to have those who are directors. We have four uh, elements that are called champions. I need somebody who's a host champion. That means the people are going to be hosting it, speaking, facilitating what's, what's on the wall, dialogue. Then there's a friendship team champion. Then there's a uh, champion of who it is the uh, called, let's see, we've got oh, communications champion which is helping get the word out and, and to do everything from advertising to, to print to whatever. And then the final one is, um, is our uh, life tree. We call it um, out on a limb. And out on a limb is literally that some of the people who come will want to do more than come and do this. And what they'll do is we'll have some project. We may go clean up trash on the highway. We have a project. We'll come in and, and help somebody who needs uh, whatever level of help in their homes. So I'm going to go ahead and ask the guys, go ahead and wrap up your conversation and uh, join us back. That's what will happen. Now, what, what it is is this is all directed. So they'll say, for example, we didn't tell them, but here's what happens in the cafe, is let's take four minutes or let's take six minutes and let's talk about that question. So that what happens is we'll say, okay, guys, one minute, and then at one minute we come back in with the next element. You see what I'm saying? So in this case... They've got less than one minute. You've got 30 seconds. Okay. I appreciate that. What you'll find out is you learn something, even though they know each other, they'll learn something of the other person's story. And do you know that that's what makes connections in our heart is when we find out the narrative of this other person at my table. The narrative, it, it means something. When I sat with Diane, when... when, uh, when um, Oh, come on. Vaughn was getting his, his leg operated on, his surgery. Just a few minutes of hearing her heart and what she's been working toward and what her history is that, that you know, I feel, I feel like, you know, wow, I entered, you let me into your story, and I felt a connection there, and now I'm empowered to pray for you, and I'm empowered to know how to, to cheer you on and to applaud your efforts. And so what you did by sharing your life in that little place and little moment that we had, it really helped me to be able to, to love you to a greater degree and as a pastor to be able to, to know how I can be praying for you and encouraging you. And that happens all the time in little settings, but it's not enough what I can do. It's a matter of what you can do, and it's extending your reach beyond what you might normally do. So here's the thing. This is an I'm interested card. You might not even fully understand it based on all of our stuff today, but it really comes down to helping you shine your light. And what I'd like is, if you're interested at all, even attending, you're welcome, but this isn't for necessarily church people, you understand. So uh, here's, I'd like you to fill one of these out. It's just a little short contact form for me. It'll tell me some areas you might be interested. So Joel, can you get those? Maybe Alex can take one half the room and... Go ahead and raise your hand if you'd like one of those so we can know that uh, 
how we're going to train, who we're training, who we're going to equip for this stuff. Saturday nights at 8 o'clock. It doesn't mean every Saturday. It may be that you're going to be serving once a month, and uh, you'll be part of our crowd. Yes, ma'am. You can, uh, only because it'll be a record for me, because today makes a difference from general coming Wednesday night, getting caught up in it, to somebody who's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm on board. We could show you more, but the truth is this is part of it, and it's part of it is to empower you to be more effective at shining your light. Amen? So you see, here's what happens. The challenge Jesus gave us to be salt and light, it can't really happen without you. It can't really happen without you. I like what Apostle Peter said. If you go ahead and put that scripture up, he says in um, it's First Peter. Do we have that one? First Peter two nine. He says, "But you're not like that. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God." For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. That's what he's done. Guess what? Then he calls you into his wonderful light. Then he doesn't just say, now you've got the light in you, see? Then it's that you're also supposed to now shine that light for his glory. Amen? Peter appointed everyone to ministry. That's what he says. You're all a royal priesthood. You're God's chosen people. So he called them all. He knew, you know why he did that? Because he knows it's not about the 12. It's about the whole community. It's about each and every one of us being the salt and being the light. So I want to tell you, no matter how complicated your life, you might have thought, hey, Saturdays, that's my day. I ain't giving that up. Well, just say, God, what do you say? And stop being the one who's directing your own beam. See? I'm doing what I want to do, and nobody's going to tell me any different. Well, that means you have random. I don't know how good that's working. See? It doesn't do very good when there's a specific job that we've got to get done. So, simply, one of the things we get to do is simply let our light shine. And that's part of what a pastor does, is I'm trying to help you to be able to do that. You have the same invitation today. And I pray that you'll accept that invitation, and that is to explore new avenues of how you can shine your light. You might say, coming all the way over here from Moundsville or where you live out there on the ridge or whatever, too far. But guess what? We're going to be coming to Moundsville. When we come to Moundsville, we're going to be reaching specifically that trailer. I'm not putting out, I don't want a bunch of Christians coming there. Honestly, I don't want people to come there and then start slamming the Bible down people's throats, giving them simple little phrases of how easy it is. Well, just do this and just do that. Instead, I want to say, here it is. Here's some things. Let's dialogue. Let's talk about this. I believe this is something that's so close to my heart, what I've been pursuing for a Saturday night, because I want to reach the people who have not been reached. Transfer growth and seeing people come and switching churches, that's all good and wonderful and and welcome, and, and this church has benefited from that. But the truth is, the mandate for us is to go into all the world, see, to make disciples, See, to be his witnesses, to be his light shiners. That's what we want to do. Let me ask you a question. What's hiding your light? What's hiding your light? Whatever that is, if you'll ask God, God, show me. If I'm hiding my light, and show me what it is. And Lord, however you want me to be involved, I'll do it.
The key is if you come to Life Tree Cafe or not, that's not the issue. It's that you become more intentional with taking your light and saying, where do you want it to shine, God? Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah, Jesus. Wow. Well, thank you, God, that you put this light in my life, that, God, you, uh, you, you took and changed my very character. You changed my very nature because everything about me was somebody, I liked the dark. I liked the deeds done in dark. I used to practice those things, God, and you know it. And you took me from that darkness, darkness of the soul, and you brought me, God, into that place of revelation of your glory and what was the real purpose for my life. And I speak that over each and every person here today as God will be the people that, that have eyes to see, God, and ears to hear, that, Lord, will be those who will begin to live a focused life, a life of revelation. We'll be helping to, to let that light so shine before men, even according to your Scripture that says, God, that now, having seen the light, they will give praise to the Father. So, God, I thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you that you don't extinguish that lamp. You don't snuff out even a smoldering wick. So, God, some of us might be like that. We were just a smoldering wick. I pray for the oil of the Holy Spirit. I pray for the wind of God to create a flame once again in us, in me, God, that we might, uh, we might effectively shine our light for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you would, leave the cards that you filled out at the back, or you can take some extra time tonight at 7 p.m., be, uh, come and join us. This is, there's only two sessions left. Go and uh, light your world. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Amen.